Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path to recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. You know, that's interesting. I've heard that a hundred times, and it says two guys on their own path to recovery. Hey, we're on the same path. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We're kind of most days side by side. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. We kind of live in life together. That rocks, man. And I can never get tired of that U2 song, 40. I just love it. I know. It's good stuff. Thank you, you too. (laughs) Yeah, right. Thank you. We we did reach out for permission just to keep all, uh, for total transparency. We uh, gave them a chance. That's right. So listen, uh, I had to do something that I don't normally do. I went on the way to the coffee shop and picked up a pre-coffee coffee because we've got a table for three today and we've got high energy in the room. And I'm like, there is no way. I'm coming into the coffee shop all lackadaisical and, you know, all lethargic. Yeah, you seem pretty pumped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, with good reason, you're going to find out that it's going to be hard to keep up with our with our uh, coffee mate today. Yeah, so so it's funny. When you say the pre-coffee coffee, that's like having cocktails before you go out for cocktails, right? Did that. Yeah, did that, but yeah. done that. Didn't work, done. Yeah, didn't, done. Wor- didn't work out well for me. No, it didn't. Right. So, and I think that's what we're going to talk about tonight, right? It's, Absolutely. You know, how to stay and, and, and live sober. So... Tonight's, you know, our guest, Alexis, super special. And, and let me tee it up, and then we'll, we'll welcome her officially. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of times, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want this to be a pity party, but a lot of times this is, you know, thankless, right? We, we usually record, we're actually recording in the evening tonight. We normally come, you know, 5.30, 6 in the morning, you know, on, on the weekends and, and roll a couple sessions together. That's a little behind the counter. And... Um, you know, so we're out there, and we, we love connecting with folks on, on social media and stuff. But, you know, I mean, it's just it's just kind of you're out there, right? Well, one morning, you know, and I was having a tough week, you know, and, and one morning, about 5 in the morning, I, I checked my Instagram, you know, for our Sober.Coffee pod hat. Sober.Coffee podcast handle, Brian says it's an at. Yeah. Um, on Instagram, I get this message. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it, and, it, and it's a voice message it over bill Instagram. <laughs> was it a bill collector? No, they no. stopped calling me years okay. ago. All right. Um, but it's a voice message on Instagram, which I didn't even know you could do, and I click it. And there is two segments of a, of, of a voice message that it, it really brought a tear to my eye. It was just so special, and it was Alexis just calling, just giving a shout-out, saying, hey, I just want to let you know I listen to your podcast. I listen to several episodes, you know, and, and she said we're funny. And huh. I, I think she, she wants no, to be talking, talking about, about you. you. Right. right, okay. Yeah, no, Whatever. totally. And, and I'm like, really? And, and she just so genuine and so real. And, and so, you know, I, I reached out. I mean, it just meant so much. And uh, and she says, hey, a lot of people probably like it, and they don't reach out. She goes, I just want to reach out. So yeah, it did mean a lot. I, I heard it too, and I heard the energy and the hope and the passion behind her, where she's at in her life right now. And I'd be interested to hear, which is why we have her on to hear a little bit I know. of so, the backstory. Welcome, right? Alexis. Just want to give a little yeah, backstory. We're going to spend a half hour and never get Alexis. On. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's usual. But <laughs> just to, I mean, we have an international reach now because Alexis is from Canada, from Vancouver. So. Hey. 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 Welcome. Welcome, Alexis. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love your energy. Uh, I love you guys. And I think, you know, as someone in, in, in an industry, I mean, 
in recovery, working in the recovery field, doing all the things that we do. Um, you know, I, it was really important for me when, 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 you know, because it is a thankless job so often. And sometimes I think, you know, these people that do podcasts, I don't, I don't have a podcast, but I've been on some. It's like people listen, but there's no gratitude of, hey, thanks for taking all this time and putting all of this content out for people that are in, in sobriety, in recovery, sobriety curious, harm, whatever. It, it, you know, it's so important. So yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. I was so grateful that you guys do it. And I do think you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're the only one. So thank you for that. And thanks for jumping on with us tonight. Man, you're a rock star, really. And we've enjoyed connecting with you. So what we'd like to do with our time is just, you know, we like to break our sessions down, you know, our, our stories into experience, strength, and hope, right? What happened to us, you know, what we did, you know, because I understand you have 10 years of sobriety. That's awesome. What we did to get sober, you know, what tools are in the toolbox, and then what hope can we give folks that are on the sober path, kind of exploring the sober path, trying to figure it out, you know, should I try this or not? You know, we just got out of dry January, right? Right. So, yeah. and you know, you brought something up. You, you use the term and it's trendy, you know, sober curious, sobriety curious or sober curious. I mean, yeah. I, it's like a real thing out there right now. People are... They're like, they're like, all right, I'm curious about this. I mean, it's a real trending thing. It is. And it's a health and wellness thing. It's not necessarily an addiction thing anymore. Right, People right. are really um, trying to get away from the poison and trying to live a healthier and better life. They want to live longer. They want to live better. You know, there's cancer, there's this, there's that, there's disease. And some people just have addiction in their family. And so they're like, oh, I don't want to get there one day. Maybe I want to try this out sooner and, and stop it before it maybe might happen to me, you know? Good so, point. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So tell yeah, me. Yeah, there's many pathways to recovery, right? Like there's so many pathways to recovery. And so I think so many, so often we try to, you know, well, my right way is the right way. And, and drug legalization isn't, don't do that. And don't do, uh, don't do, you know, because I'm, I'm abstinence only. And like, don't do Suboxone. And don't do drug replacement therapies. And don't do this. And don't do that. And we all kind of start fighting over each other, even in 12-step fellowships. Oh, you do NA, I do AA. Like there's there, there can be this. <laughs> Right? Like combative thing. And I think we just all got to get together and work as one unit to try to destigmatize and normalize addiction. And, I, I love and, that. I love that line. Yep. Yeah. So for me, I first got clean when I was 19. Like, and I'm 39. So that was a really fucking long time ago. Right. Wow. <laughs> um, so. Um, I didn't stay clean, right? Like you said, I don't have 10 years yet. I will have 10 years in August, so I can't cop any clean time, but I do have nine and a half. And it's, so I didn't stay clean, right? Like my first meeting was when I was 17 and I was trying to appease my parents and they were like, you're messed up. You're doing a lot of crystal meth. Like, stop doing that. We're going to put you in meetings. And I was like, well, I don't want to get kicked out. So I'll go to the meeting, but I had no, uh, there was nothing in me that wanted to get clean and stay clean mm. forever, right? Right. So I went to this meeting, and it was an AA meeting, and uh, I walk in, and there's all these old fuckers smoking at a table, and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I'm not into this at all. And they're all trying to save me. I think one of them were, were, I think one of those old fuckers was Mikey. Yeah, I've become that person. Totally, no, you are so Mikey. right. You're so right. I mean, you were like around pegging a square hole. It's like, what, what? 
like I don't want to. I, I try to avoid having coffee with my grandparents to begin with. Like I don't want to be in a room all the time with you too. God. Awesome. So. It felt like a death sentence. It did. It felt like a death sentence. And so, because I didn't understand that, like, getting clean and sober, like, you don't have to, you can still have fun, right? Like, life actually gets better. So I I didn't go to uh, to treatment or anything right away. I ended up going to treatment when I was 18 um, after I graduated high school, and they sent me away to this place called Terrace. And that is, like, almost by Alaska, maybe. Well, there's, like... The, the the Yukon in between that, but mm. it's really high up there. So, um, and, and it was the only place when I was getting clean that was available for youth that were girls. They had places in BC that were uh, for boys, but they only had this one place that was co-ed that has six people up in the middle of nowhere for girls at the time. So we've come a long way for uh, youth and treatment. We're not there yet, but we've come a long way since I went. But they took me up there, and then my parents, I don't know, do you know who Colin Powell is? Yes, yes. Okay. So my parents read this book on that Colin Powell and wrote, and I always say Colin Powell ruined my life, because Colin Powell, he wrote about hard love, tough love, right? So he, he wrote this book, talked about tough love, and my parents were like, oh, you're in Terrace, which is like a three-hour flight away. Well, you, we got you there. You can get yourself back. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so that is I went love. and got it. You know what I mean? So, and they had to do it. I had another sister, right? And and it didn't take me long to relapse. Like, I wasn't invested anyways. So I found a local bar called Hanky Pankies. <laughs> and <laughs> and I lied about yeah, and I, it had a pink neon awning and uh, it sign, and it played country music on Wednesdays. And I got a job there. I lied about my age. I got a job there, and I started serving. And I was like, this is fucking great. I met the local drug dealer that lived in the trailer park. I just mm-hmm. moved right in there. And, uh, and and life sort of went on its way. Now, what happened, and, and, and I believe that the universe, source, God, whatever the fuck you want to call it, I don't care, intervenes for us in, in certain times, right? So my drug dealer phoned my dad and said, you got to get this crazy girl out of here. <laughs> like, Wait, your drug dealer turned you in? Turned me into my dad. Well, phone me half. Well, my dad said, he's, he, he kept trying to like limit how much drugs I was I was using all his drugs. He's like, you got to, you need out of here. You need to go. So he phoned my dad and I ended up going to treatment. So it took me six flight, plane rides to come down to Vancouver. Mm. And uh, I missed six plane rides. And uh, finally, I ended up showing up and getting there. And I thought I was going home. Like, I thought my parents were going to take me home. It was going to be great. Life was going to be fun. It was going to be awesome. Right? I was back in Vancouver. I was going to pull my friends. No, they had me right on a ferry to go back to treatment. Um, and I was 19 now, right? So now there was a plethora of options if you're private pay. Um and so, and they were private pay, thank God, because, you know, I don't know if you guys have that issue in the States, but it's still happening here. If you're private pay, you get in right away. If you're government funded, you wait months. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if yeah, it's you're hard to wait between, months for, for uh, yeah, addiction you, issues. Oh my God. Like, it's like, you have that moment of clarity. I want to get clean. I want to get better. I want to get sober. The time is now. And then, and then. Oh yeah, well, three months from now, like what the fuck? Right. Like, what do you mean three right. months from now, right? So then, what bridges that? And then, if you're middle class, what are you supposed to do? You can't get government funded. You can't 
pay for for 40 grand of treatment what do you do you take you sell your cars you put another mortgage on your house you beg borrow and steal from family members everywhere going broke hoping that this one chance is gonna maybe fix your loved one like it's crazy Mm-hmm. it's crazy there needs to be treatment on demand but for thank god my parents had the money to send me so they sent me to treatment and i got kicked out i got kicked out it was co-ed i met a boy and i got kicked out for fraternizing mm-hmm. and then um at three months clean they i went into another recovery house in vancouver and i stayed there for almost a year and i went to meetings and here's what happened. I had a friend of mine from high school. This is another like God shot or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I had a friend of mine who I went into a meeting and he was there and he went to high school with me. He had more clean time than me. Mm. And he was like, he was like, hey, there's this youth program in New Westminster and there's narco- there's NA meetings and there's like half of them. There's like 150 people at these meetings on a regular day and half of them are under 25. You should come. Mm. And that saved my life well, because I found... I found people that were same age, same, like, wanted to do crazy stuff. Like, we we would go, like, bowling and then, like, do weird stuff to other people. I don't know, like, pranks and weird, whatever. There's nothing weirder than bowling. So <laughs> Sober <already>. bowling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, darts. I don't no, know. No, we totally. would, like, figure out the arcade. We would figure it out. We would do stuff. Yeah. We would be at 2 in the morning sitting outside of 7-Eleven, people watching all the weirdos. Like, mm. we would do, like, the weirdest stuff, but... We were together and we were staying clean together and we were um we were like rooting for each other and if one person went out it was like really hard on like the group and like we would like go and rescue them and like have them sleep on our couch and get them back at meetings and it was like this really kind of cool sober gang and like i don't know if the older people in na what they really thought of us but it was crazy and i don't know what we shared about but it was also a bunch of nonsense about oh my boyfriend broke up with me but it was fun and and so i ended up staying clean for a really long time the thing is is i saw these people in the meetings that were getting families they were getting jobs families having kids doing all of that right like and and i somehow thought like well i need to too then if they're doing that i need to do that but i was 20 and i wasn't 30 like them and so i met a boy who worked at the local treatment center and we started dating and i got pregnant and uh in 2005 and i was 21 and i had my first kid in 2005 Mm. and then i had another kid in 2007 and avon christian like they changed my life but like i was not ready to be a mom in recovery i moved away i stopped going to meetings i stopped connecting Mm. with people i stopped phoning i stopped sponsoring i stopped doing service because i had these two kids Mm -hmm. that i didn't really want but i did want but I wanted to be in this relationship with this guy that I kind of liked but I just thought that's what you do when you get clean and that's the life you're supposed to have because so often the message is is, you know get clean and then you stay in the rooms and you kind of like hang out with those people for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life but that message didn't serve me right I'm a free spirit and so when when I I felt claustrophobic I felt suffocated and I remember fighting with my um now ex-husband, about, you know, I think I'm going to drink. Drinking wasn't my problem. I only did a lot of drugs. I'm okay. I have six years clean. I'll know what to do. If it goes bad, I know where to go. You're clean. So he was like, I'm like, you'll like me a lot better. I'll probably have sex with you. Like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I just like, wrote this big, long list of reasons. And he said, okay, sure. 
and he bought me my first bottle of wine. <laughs> and it turns out, guys, guess what? What? He didn't like me better, and we got <laughs> divorced. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Well, point, you know, exclamation you know? mark on that experiment, right? But here's the thing. Alcohol brought me down faster, harder. Maybe it's because I had more to lose than any other drug ever did. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's and crazy. It's a powerful statement, right? Mm -hmm. Because any, any, any drug, it doesn't matter what it is, I can use to the point of fucking my life up. Right. It doesn't matter what it is. Sure. So, uh, you know, and I've done it with finances clean. I've done it with shopping. I've done it with social media. I've done it with, like, you know, the whole, like, relationships. Like, I can, it doesn't matter what it is because it's not a substance problem. It's a me problem, right? right so, I'm, right. so, yeah, so I went out, and I went out for a long time, and those kids really suffered. And, um, you know, I would show up randomly, and I went and got a job serving because that's what I knew how to do, and I got fired from my insurance job for fraud. <laughs> and I, like, did all of the things, like, you're not supposed to, I said I would never do. Mm -hmm. And then a friend of mine from AA said, hey, my dad's not doing so well. He's, like, live, he lives in Squamish. It's a 45-minute drive. Will you come and see him with me? I said, yeah, for sure. And that was a setup. It was like, dad's fine. We went in a car. It was a 45-minute drive there, 45-minute drive back with him just screaming at me about how much of an idiot I am and how much of a fuck-up I am and how my kids are suffering and how, right, like all the things. And at the end of it, he didn't drop me off in my house. He dropped me off in a meeting where the people who I had been in NA and AA with before were there waiting for me. And by the grace of God, I stayed. Mm. I relapsed at six months. Um for a day and then I came back and so August 5th 2012 was my clean day wow. mm, what, yeah. a, what a journey what, <clears throat> what a, a journey. what a story I I pulled so many things out of there oh I know me too the uh, uh, the one key thing and and it's something that Mike and I remind ourselves and, and we talk about a lot is we don't do this alone we do it together you know and yeah. and back you know when you were starting you ran with with your gang your, your sober gang and you guys you know did it together and then another key point, which I remind myself, you know, at some point you stop doing all the shit, right? You stop doing the meetings, you stop yeah. sponsoring, you stop doing all that. And then all of a sudden, you know, a relapse comes down the road. And, and I love how you put um, alcohol brought me down harder and lower than any other drug could. You know, I heard uh, Eric Clapton in an interview and uh, he <clears throat> obviously, as people understand, he, he's had, you know, he's a rock star in the 60s, 70s, and he had an a drug and alcohol problem, but basically had a drug problem and then an alcohol problem, very much like Alexis' story. And uh, and he made the comment um, exactly what Alexis said. It was harder for him to quit alcohol than it was to quit heroin. Wow. Oh, yeah, because you can't just pull out heroin at a bar and be like, oh, I'm just going to shoot this up. Like, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, right. Like, you know, do you want to shoot some up too? Like, you can't just like... It's not a recreational thing. When I use drugs, I use those drugs uh, alone. Right. When I drink, typically at the beginning, I'm drinking with other people and it's fun, right? right? So um, that connection piece that got me clean and helped keep me clean, and it, it, it really, like, it really, like, I felt connected to other people when I was drinking. And that's, so then I just hung out with them more, right? right? So right. it was harder for me to drink because I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel like, 
shamed. Everybody drank. Right. It wasn't a thing, right? right. There wasn't that same shame around it. So it, it was harder for me to quit alcohol than anything else. No, I love that. So how are things for you today? You know, I, I, love, yeah. I, I love how you put it. You say, hey, I don't have 10 years yet. I can't cop clean time. I've never heard that before. And I I'm, I'm going to steal that yeah, from right, right. That's That's rocking. So how are things for you today? Give us some hope of, of how things can be. You know, life yeah. is perfect today, right? Everything's great. No, man. And you're, <laughs> and so. you're, you're, involved, you're involved in the space too, right? I mean, Yeah, you're... so tell us what you're up to. Tell us how things are today. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us what you're sure. working on. Yeah, okay. So here's the thing. When I first got clean, I didn't do the steps. I didn't do the step for three years. And I, what I did is I jumped into another relationship and I had two more kids. I got married after six weeks of knowing the guy. Like if that's not a mental health breakdown I don't know what is so I ended up having this marriage and these two kids and then breaking up with him and then he started using while we were together and then I couldn't leave because of codependency and mm. not knowing if I could do it on my own and like I've always been taking care of a man which is why I got in that relationship in the first place because it was my dad then it was the second first husband now it was the second husband it was the drug dealer it was the, this guy it was the that mm -hmm. guy I didn't think I could do it on my own so I was so scared to leave do you guys have CPS, like Child Protective Services? Mm -hmm, right. All right. So they came in. I'm three years clean. They go, you need to leave him. He's using heroin in your house with your kids. Mm -hmm. And you're pregnant and with your second kid. And I said, I can't go. So I just rented another apartment, furnished it, made it look like I lived there. And every time they would come visit, they would visit me there. Mm -hmm. Well, the one time I'm with him while he's high at the house with the kids, they come there. Mm -hmm. I got my kids taken away clean at three years clean. Oh. And I'll tell you what, that is the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. That is the best thing that ever happened to me. It's the best thing that ever happened to my kids. It's the best thing that ever happened to my ex. It's the mm -hmm. best thing that ever happened to me mm. because we divorced, right? I was forced to learn how to do this thing on my own without having to blame anyone else or lean on anyone else. It was me. I went and got the therapy that I actually really needed, like the CBT and the DBT and all yeah, those right, therapies right. that I needed to get that I just didn't think I needed because I could just do the 12 steps and really heal the trauma and then get my kids back a year later, it took a year, and my daughter, youngest daughter, who's born on my birthday and she's named after, her name's Alexandria, hmm. and she came two months early and, and I don't know what the reason for that was, but she was born on my birthday, she chose that day, and she was like, she's like my... My, I was like, I'm fighting to get that kid back. Like, there was nothing more painful than being sober, having your kid taken away from you in the delivery room. Mm. So oh for me, yeah, it was like, and I had two members of, of the program who I had known since I was 20 or 19 holding my hand through that. Like, wow. we show up for each other no matter what. And, and so... I did all the things for a year and I got, you know, I had visits and this and that. And then I had moments where I was screaming at the social worker that she was this, that and whatever. And then I would come back together. And after a year, I really like God, source, universe, whatever, gave me this space without kids to really heal. And now I have the best relationship with my second ex-husband. One one real good relationship with an ex is good, right? We're mm -hmm. still working on the first ex, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but my second ex-husband helped me tremendously. Um, I suffer from severe rheumatoid arthritis, so mm -hmm. there are days where I can't move. He comes over and helps me. 
Um, my kids are all with me. We do week on, week off. They all come at one week. They all go at another week. Mm. Um, and I also believe that God did that for me because if I was a single mom of four children on my own all the time, I would hate being a mom <laughs> and I would resent it. And then who knows if I would use again. Right. But what it's given me is a whole week to like go to meetings and hang out and do service and sit on, you know, committees and, and work my ass off and do all the things and then miss them. And then the week after, be a really great mom for a right, week and right. then do it all over again. Um, you know, I'm a recovery coach. I believe that the recovery coach industry is severely lacking. I do have the education to be a counselor, but I also believe there's a separation there that if we call it a coach and we come at it from that point of view that we're doing it together, it's not me and him. Um, so I am a recovery coach. I started a charity called, um, recovery kids. So what we do is we give presents to parents who are in treatment at Christmas so that they don't feel like they have to leave treatment and it helps like oh, sort that's of alleviate. So you provide yeah. Christmases for kids whose parents are in treatment during the holidays. Yeah. That that's is, amazing. Yeah. So awesome. we help 500 kids this year. Holy wow. And we've been doing it since 2013 and we get wish lists. So oh, this okay. one kid this year, let me talk about the case. So this 17, I get so stoked on this. This one kid, 17 years old, he asks for an engineering calculator because his parents can't afford it to give it to him and he wants to be an engineer and he's in high school. Oh, and I was like, oh, that's like 80 bucks. You know what I mean? Like right. you can't afford 80 bucks. Like that's heartbreaking. So we phone the, the, the treatment center that they're at and I go, hey, like what's going on? Do they have a computer? And he goes, well, that kid has a laptop, but the sister doesn't. And the sister goes to school every day and takes, like, signs out a laptop in the morning. They can't take it home and transfers everything just written down onto the laptop and then goes to school. Wow. Every day. Oh. So we bought her a laptop. Wow. <laughs> Boy, that's and then we gave... And then we gave the, the, we had to make it even, right? So then we gave the brother the, the calculator and AirPods. We were like, there you go. Sounds but to me like, to it do... sounds to me like you found purpose. Right. So, yeah, so, well, yeah. So is there a website for that? If you go to Instagram, it's recovery kids with a Z. If you go to recovery kids with a Z, sorry, Z, because you're American, mm -hmm. um, with a Z.com, um, that's that. And we're expanding it this year. So we, are now going to be offering sports scholarships, music scholarships, um, helping out with school fees, uh, school supplies, and that kind of thing. So my belief is like what really got my kids through my addiction was playing sports. My son played rep hockey. My daughter played uh, soccer. And right. they had a really um, strong connection with the coaches and a community that helped them distract, number one, from their mom being high. And number two, from creating a relationship within the community with strong influences while I wasn't there. So to reduce trauma in kids, I'm like, I don't want to just have this be, I mean, we've been doing this since 2013 and mm -hmm. it started off with me just having extra gifts for my kids. And I was like, you know what, like, let's just donate some of that. Um, and then I saw that there was a need. And so now we're going to help the kids, uh, yeah, get into sports, music, whatever they want. That we'll is, pay directly to the that is awesome. to the plays. We're going yeah. to put a, we're going to put a link in our uh, in our resource room so you can check that out. And then, uh, will you come back and visit us again? I would love to. There's one thing that I want to say. Yes. 
to your listeners. Yes, yes. Um, because, yeah, like donating to my donation, whatever, that's great. But here's the thing. There are a lot of people that are brand new clean and or in new recovery mm -hmm. that now are on their own, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody and their dog and still donate to homeless and this and that and harm reduction and da-da-da-da-da. But there's so much out there for people that are using Right. But there's not much out there. It's like all of a sudden, I know my experience was I got clean. And then it was like, okay, pull up your boot socks and go to work. Now That's you're a right. member of, of society. Get it going. That's right. And it was really difficult. Yeah, so, yeah. like, just consider that, that, like, maybe instead of donating to a homeless shelter or something, which still obviously needs that, maybe consider phoning a recovery house or phoning somewhere and say, hey, like, what are the, Does what your do you extended need? program right. need anything? Right. Is there anyone who just moved out with a kid that might need some new clothes that I have and like that my kids have just grown out of? Like, just think about it. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. Alexis, this Alexis, has been great. Yeah, you you absolutely rock. What what a sparkle. You helped us on that early morning with your voice message and man, what a powerful Aww. time tonight. Thank you so much yeah, for jumping on. Thanks for on sharing this. a message of hope that gets better on the other side. Oh, thank you. Thank all you right. for doing all that you do. All Come right, back Lexus. again. Okay, all sounds right, good. Thanks. Bye bye now. Bye. Thanks for joining us for today's coffee chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800 839 1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800 273 8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.